the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sending me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Bless it be, y'all. Bless it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Twenty years ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world, following magic and spirit. Now, they're back in their hometown to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to That Witch Life Podcast. I'm Courtney, and I am your host today, like it or not. And I am here with Hillary. Hello. And Kanani. Hello. Today we have um, a show with a topic that I feel particularly strong about. We are talking about gratitude practice and its role in effective magic. Um, Sarah Walka of the Sisters Enchanted is joining us to talk about it. But first, 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 what what accent do I have these days? I'm so, I I can't talk anyway. But first, um, Kanani's son is doing a uh, witch show review for us. He is reviewing a show called Room on the Broom. And Hillary is going to discuss Apple. But something Hillary and I realized this week is that there is, oh, there is, believe it or not, one story about the two of us that Kanani hasn't heard. And I'm actually shocked. You guys have, you guys have touched on it. And I don't think it's that I haven't heard it because it sounds familiar. I think I've just blocked it out. Okay. <laughs> you just you just weren't well, listening. To the I think I was the only half listening when it was told to me twenty years ago, and so now I'm just like, oh yeah, I forgot the well, story of the white van and the story and, of the white van. So this got this came back into our consciousness because Hillary posted something on her Facebook page that says post um, a memory, your favorite memory of us together, and I'll respond to one. And I was like, okay, which one is it? The story of the pigs. Is it the story of the gnomes? Is it the story of almost getting thrown out of a sacred ritual? Is it the time I was I had to spend the night in a haunted house by myself and I called Hillary crying and she told me to get in the car and drive to her? <laughs> Wasn't it like was, a haunted monastery or something? It was a haunted like monastery and I was alone. That is a story for another day, friends. But then yeah, I also posted a meme of the white van and I'm like, does Hillary remember the white van story? And I, she did. I definitely remember the white van story. <laughs> and Konami was like... Connie was like, I don't listen to you guys anyway, but I don't think I've heard the white band story. So this was like in, I think, I think you had just graduated high school and I was still a senior. Yeah. It must've been it. No matter what anyway. it was, it was like the ages 17 to 19 to when a lot eight, of good decisions. Yeah. yeah. 17, 18, when a lot of good decisions are made. Right. And, and so like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, family. I mean like most of my family, I mean, most of my family would not be shocked that I tried weed in high school or smoked weed, you know, occasionally in high school. Actually wasn't, I actually was, I have to say, we were both pretty damn good in high school. I have to say, compared to most of my friends. Compared to most of our classmates at our little Catholic high school, we we were very good. We were tame. However, in this instance, we had, I had smoked some weed. We had gone Uh, to our friend Lyman's house. Our friend, we had gone to our friend Lyman's house. And His Lyman, name is protected, so we're just going to call him Lyman so no one knows who we're yeah, talking about. so no about. one knows who we're talking about. We went to our friend Lyman's house, and, Ly, and, and we had, like, 
I mean, I, I was stoned for sure, right? I was not. I was the driver. Courtney so I actually, was the designated driver. I was so driver. She, I did not smoke any weed. So I feel like Kanani, we went by your house at some point that night because that's when you were still living over there with your mom. Yeah, and we definitely stopped by Kanani's house at some point that evening. But I okay, she probably was just prior. was like, I don't want. I actually think this was prior because it wasn't dark, super dark yet. It was like just starting to get dark. Like it was like the sun was going down and we were driving. And so we were like, what do we do with this drug paraphernalia? Like, which I was mean, like I, a pop can. Like we'd made a yeah, bong we were out like of smoking pop, weed out really. of a pop can, like a, tr- like the trash that we were. Uh, so, <laughs> so like we have that and like, you know, the, the bag, the little baggie and like, I don't know, whatever. So we're like, we're driving around and we're very close to Courtney's old house. The one that we <laughs> talked about the Ouija board experience for, from. Yeah. So, well, we had moved. We had moved by then. We were living on the other side of town, but we were like, yeah, so, Hillary was like, so I know. I was it was like, your I know. idea. Yeah. Let's I know. I was the- like, we, I was like, we got to get rid of this. We can't like go back because also it was like, we needed to make sure it didn't smell up her parents' car. So we, so like I had it in a bag and then we were like, okay. And I was like, you know what? That that house that you used to live in, we should just stick it. We need to just put it in the mail mail. and and go. So like we were like, this is perfect. (laughs) Fucking idiots! Like fucking idiots! Like we like we could have gone to a park and thrown it in the garbage, but no, no, we were going to put it in someone's mailbox. Thank God this was before ring doorbells. Let me just put that out there. So so we go over there and we like (laughs) we like put it in the mailbox, and as we're putting it in the mailbox of a car, like a, a white van is like pulling up to their house. And we're like, Oh my fucking God, go, 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 go. <laughs> so like, and they were we, right like, behind us. Cause the house cold. is, it's like a, it's like a mini cul-de-sac. So there was, yeah. so they're like, like right three houses us. down, down this narrow road. And yeah. we, the mailboxes were at the end of the road. And so you can't, we were blocking the driveway and Hillary yeah. was very high. And so she's moving at like a sloth's pace to put them so in like, there. Yeah, we're like, so we get it in there. I get back in the car and we like peel the fuck out of there. We are like, because we're like, Oh God, what if it's, oh if it's God, <laughs> what if it's the people, what if it's the people that live there? And then they re- like, they recognize us somehow or they find us or they run the plate. So like we like peel out of the cul-de-sac and like we dart, like we're going down the street. We're getting the fuck out of there. Uh, a car that looked like because we were also paranoid at this time, especially me because I was high, looked like a white van pulled behind us. And so we I am like, we are all freaking the fuck out because now we're like, oh my God, they're following us. Our we're gonna get arrested. Our fucking parents are gonna disown us. Like, are you fucking kidding me? We're gonna we'll like, never people, we'll never get a job. We'll never, never go to college. college. We'll never have a podcast. Everything will go it's so bad. And so we are like trying so hard to ditch this. We're like, oh my God. And they're like behind us for a long fucking time. Like we're like digging like, like left, right, left, right. And finally, I think. We ducked into a cul-de-sac and we whirled around and parked and turned the lights off and like hid yeah, below the and dashboard. Yeah, and they turned the other way and it was like a regular sedan. It wasn't, wasn't even a white van. And, and like... <laughs> <laughs> we were like well, crying. We were like, we were like crying. <laughs> so oh my God, it was so ridiculous. Like it was like... And I swear to God, I feel like that house had it out for us. I, now looking back, I'm like, that house was probably 
so mad that we like opened up a portal to hell through the Ouija board. You know, oh like, God. And, but, like, I actually think, okay. Cause I remember, th- I remember that. I actually think you guys did stop by my house. Yeah, we stopped by your house afterwards. Yes, and we I think I remember. Because we, we had, like, we were traumatized and we yes, needed to read. Yes, Courtney's, like, frantically telling me this story about how <laughs> upset she is because she thought that this thing, thing happened and I could not be more indifferent to her pain and she got so mad at me. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, you're yeah, really you upset like, you were like, because you thought a van was following you, but you know it wasn't. <laughs> but you're upset. Yeah, with, but- you're upset, and you want me to feel bad for you yeah. because the white van that was following you wasn't following you. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and I just like, remember, and I, and I remember that Courtney was so mad at me because I had no empathy for. Her. I'm like, I can't. I I don't know what's wrong yeah, with you right you're now. But I can't help you. You're an asshole because you couldn't even empathize with the fact no. that like that this imaginary those- thing that didn't yeah, actually like, happen was traumatizing those- her. Yeah, but for those like three and a half minutes, we thought we were going to jail. Oh my god! I just like, but we I remember, thought I remember our lives so were over because I was just like, the, "You're upset because the van that you oh were scared god. was following you wasn't following you, and you but you're upset, and I I can't help you." Like, and you I know what? Her, she was so mad. You know what? You're a dick here because really the only unreasonable thing about this story was that we were smoking weed out of a fucking pop can. Like everything else is valid, okay? But is like everything shocked? else is valid. Is any is anyone shocked that it's even at 17 I was completely indifferent and just like I I just I just remember shutting the door and my mom's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I need better friends." I don't I don't know. I'm just going oh my to my room. God. Well, I just, and like I need better friends. And like, yeah, Kanani was like, Kanani was like, "Well, I mean, but it wasn't a white van. And we were like, no, but it, like, oh my God, but we thought it was. And she's like, but it, <laughs> but it was a car. And we're like, yeah, I know. But like, but we thought we were like, we thought for sure we were going to die. And she's like, but you didn't. And we're just like, shut up. You fuck you. Like, you know, like, I can't, like <laughs> I, this is, this is what we were talking about the last episode about you need those grounding and centering people in your life. And Kanani was that for us. Like you thought you were being followed. And you weren't. And now you're upset that I'm not freaked out with you because you were <laughs> because you weren't followed. I mean, we straight up, I it's one of the most <laughs> panicked I've ever there's two scenarios in a car where I've been that panic panicked. And one was that, and one was when I was <laughs> I was with I was with our friend Barry. And <laughs> Barry. And and Herod, our friend Herod was like following <laughs> us, but like, I mean, or maybe it was the opposite. Anyway, like he was, he was trying to catch up with us in the car and we thought I think like, you were with Herod because Herod was a little paranoid right. and was Barry with, was the I kind of person Herod. that would not be thinking about like, yeah. Oh, I so, might be yes, making people correct. nervous. That's correct. I was with Herod and Barry was following us. Like he, he had just seen our car and was like, was like, oh, that's that's Hillary and Herod. And so like we went, so we, so he started following us. And we were like, I was like, hey, this this car seems, I think this car's been following us for a while. And of course, then Herod was like, oh my God, it's something bad. And, and then we were like convinced that it was like murders or something, right? And so yeah, we, a couple like, too many urban legends told me. And you were like, oh, right. No. So like we were like racing like psychopaths. It's like, I mean, it's a miracle we didn't get in a car accident through the West Hills, like the backside, like behind St. Vincent's basically through those tiny little roads, like all over the place, trying to ditch 
what we thought was a murderer that we didn't want to <laughs> lead to my house, but like actually turned out to be. And our friend was like, why are you like, what are you doing? Where are you guys going? Are you okay? Because we drove to the hospital because we were like, well, we'll pull in here and like, you know, it'll be a public place and it's open. It was very late at night. And, and of course <laughs> then, then Barry was like, is someone injured? Like you guys are racing to the hospital. And oh you God, scared like, Barry. Fucking nightmare. I actually remind no, him the of worst it story. The worst story we did with Barry involves Kanani. Oh yeah. This <laughs> is a good, this is a good one. This is a good one. So Kanani came over to my house and I think we were 17 at the time. And Barry came over still in his Hollywood Harden uniform. And he was just a big, he was a clown. He was just silly. And so he just thought he was funny. He just dropped his pants and he started like running around the house in his boxers. Well, Kanani stole his pants and she ran upstairs into the bathroom and locked herself in there. And just as she did, the garage door goes up and my parents are home. So Barry runs upstairs and, and like, pound, and like your dad on. was scary for young men. Like, oh yeah. Our, no, he, our, our like, the 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 guys that we were friends with in high school terrified. were terrified of your father. I know, and he loved that. He loved it. He but anyway, ate so it up. Barry was out there. He had turned as white as his olive hardened shirt, and he's pounding on the door like Kanani, Kanani, you got to give me my pants back, give me my pants back. And Kanani is in there like screaming, laughing. I'm you know, and like I, I finally I get there. And I said, Hey, Kanani, my parents are home. You've got to give, you've got to give Barry his pants back. And she's like, and so, No. I'm like, No. This makes it so much better. She finally did open the door and Kanani and I ran downstairs and like collapsed on the floor. We couldn't breathe. We were laughing so hard. And my parents came in and my dad had seen Barry's truck outside. And so he knew that we were up to no good. And so he just says to, he says to my, uh, my mom, Hey, get my gun. And I'm like, dad, you don't have a gun. And he goes, get my Louisville slugger. And then Barry comes out like he's almost in tears. Like, Mister, remember I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and even now, when I told we saw him at a funeral last year, and I'm like, "Hey, remember that time Kanani stole your pants?" He still went white again. He goes, "That story's not funny. That was really <laughs> it was not. It is still to this day traumatizing for him. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, so funny." Oh my God. Well, anyway, uh, we do run a witchcraft podcast. This is that witch life. You're home for living as a witch in today's <laughs> world. We should talk some witchcraft. So Kanani, speaking of stealing pants, stealing <laughs> being mean to people, where do we want to go with this? I'm, I'm cool with I'm any avenue. I'm to find a segue and I don't have one. I'll, so, take, I'll take any off ramp at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Give me whatever you got. Oh, God, this is one of our those episodes. Okay, anyway. It's just nice to be reminded that we're pretty much the same people we were when we were all 17. That's kind of what I'm <laughs> taking from this. We really had no emotional growth and maturity sense. Yeah, we were able to hold jobs, but that's about it. Um, anyway, yeah. So anyway, um, your son, though, ha- did a, did a um, show view, review for us um, called Room on the Broom. Let's hear what... Um, uh, Kanani Jr. had to say. Kanani Jr. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, so yes. So there is a, actually a really cute children's book that we had and it's called Room on the Broom. And they have actually taken that book and they've turned it into a 30 minute uh, Netflix show. 
And he was, we were talking about movie reviews and he said, he was saying to me, he goes, he goes, mom, you should, you really should review Room on the Broom. Cause he had found the book in his bookshelf and he read it over and over again. He's watched the movie a thousand times. And I said, you know, I said, that's a good idea. I said, but you know, what'd be funnier is if you reviewed it and he, he's totally freaked out, but he was like, okay. So we watched the movie and he gave a little review. So I am here with my son, Gavin, and he is reviewing a movie for us. And so they took the move, the book room on the broom and turned it into a movie. And what is the movie about? It's not a movie. It's a show. Oh, you've been told. Mom's been told. Okay. What is is the show about? A witch and a cat. And they flew off. And some of the witches, her bow, hat, and one fell. Then she runs into a frog, bird, and dog. And what happens when she runs into them? They put the item that they have in their mouth or hand. They put it down nicely. And what does she do? The animals say, is there room on the broom for the animal like me? And what does she say? She says yes, and the cat says no. So the witch is more friendly than the cat? Yes, but eventually at the end of the show, there's only a little bit of her broom left. Then it can only fit the witch and the cat. And then is that the end? No. Then how does it end? Then she she makes... A potion, then she says, grab an item, throw it in, and then she made a new broom for the frog, cat, dog, and bird. So she made a broom so everyone would fit? Yeah. Did the cat, that make the cat happy or sad? Happy. So in the end, the cat likes everybody? Yeah. And what's your favorite part of the movie? When they get a new broom and she says, throw an item in. You like it when she makes the new broom? Yeah. And what is, How do you think other kids will like this movie? Yes. How come? Because it's a good show. Oh, show, not movie, because it's only 30 minutes, right? Get it right, Kanani. Oh my god. Did you think that mommy reminds you more of the cat or the witch? Uh, the two cats, the cat, you, the witch. Oh, okay. So I'm more like the witch and our cats are like our cat? Maxie looks like the cat. That's true. The cat in the movie does look like one of our cats. Well, thank you for giving us a review of Room on the Broom by Julia Donaldson and Axel Scheffler. You can find it on Netflix. It is an absolutely adorable kid show. It is only about 30 minutes. It's based on the book, and um, 
it's definitely kind of for a younger audience, but it's an absolutely adorable, adorable movie. So definitely check it out with your kiddos if you haven't done it yet. Say bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) He's done with us. You can't tell whose child he is at all. And let me tell you that I was putting myself out there, whether I said I was more like the super nice witch that lets everyone get on a ride or the cat that shrugs its nose and says, no, you can't get on the broom. I was very excited when he said I was like the witch and not the the bitchy cat that was like, hell no. Um, he wants, he knows that's what you want to hear, but secretly he's like, yeah, mom's like the cat. Right, exactly. Like if I say she's like the cat, I'm not going to get presents. So clearly. Like, what did you bribe him with to say you were the witch? Exactly. I'm not going to lie. And that was, I was holding my breath the whole time. I, I'm not going to give you away. Like when I first got onto the recording, Kanani didn't know I could hear her and she was saying to her kids, I'm going to give you away. <laughs> and did you hear my daughter? No, you're not going to give me away. I'm going to give you away. And we're arguing. I'm like, you can't give me away. I'm the grown up. Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. All right. Well, if you look at me, try to find another segue before we, <laughs> our guest. Comes this on. episode I, is a mess. <laughs> Jesus. This is the top problem when we record two in one day. The second one's always going to well, get the especially, shaft. especially like two in one day after this week. Like, <laughs> Because we we do want to make sure Hillary gets a chance to talk about herb, you were going to talk to us about uh, using apple in magic. So take it away, Hillary. Um, So uh, apple apple is actually great. And you can use uh, a number of the parts of the plant. Um, I I often actually put apples on my altar as an offering. Um, But you can use any part of the plant. So you can use the leaves, the flowers, I thought apple would be a good one to go over because, you know, it's this time of year. There's apples in abundance. Um, And speaking of abundance, that's one of the things apples are really good for. Uh, They're really good for healing as well as abundance. Um, So they actually, so they also, they also have some elements of love as well um, with using apples. So there's a kind of a couple, there, there's uh, healing. They're very, very good in use of, of healing spells. Um, you can use them in love. I found I find that in love magic, they're really good for healing around love, whether it's, you know, um, overcoming an obstacle within a relationship you have uh, with your own self-healing around love trauma. I can find I find that it can be really good, um, especially the blossoms in that um, it, the blossoms can be added to, to incenses um, or you can, you know, you can brew them like a tea uh, when I'm trying to manifest change around bringing in good fortune for myself. So if I am, you know, looking to get a raise or I am looking for an investment or a, or something that I've put a lot of energy into to manifest or to come to fruition, they can be really good there. So, uh, I, I often, I often, again, will put them on my altar as an offering next to whatever spell I'm making or use the parts of the plant that you can burn into incense. Obviously the fruit isn't fruit isn't good for that because it's wet. And even if you dry it, it, uh, it, it won't burn very well, but the blossoms can be really good for that or leaves. Um, so that's one way you can utilize it. Um, the, another thing, uh, that I, I think is an interesting way to use it is so you can use it as a house blessing. So if you're trying to bring in again, abundance and, uh, kind of clearing a space. So healing the space from whatever existed there before. 
Uh, you can cut the apple in half. You can eat half of the apple and put the other half outside of the home as an offering. You can use, The best parts of the plant to use for incense are the bark, the leaves, and the flowers. You grind those up into an incense and you can add it into whatever incense blend you, you want. So you could, when you're, if you're coming into a new house and you kind of want to set the space for your own energy, clear out and heal any energy that's there, you can also burn that smoke uh, as a smoke cleansing in the house. Um, but yeah, I, I like them because I, one, I, I use apples so frequently as offerings, both to, um, uh, to my ancestors, but also to, uh, as an offering, as a, th- a gratitude towards what I'm asking to manifest. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, they're in abundance this time of year. And I feel like it's a, it's a good time to use them because you can find them easily. They're everywhere. They're different types. There's no right or wrong type, in my opinion, uh, of what, you know, what type to use. Um, but again, any part of the plant. So, you know, you don't need to go out and get an apple, but if there's an apple tree nearby and you want to pick a, pick a blossom or, or pick a leaf or do a little, little bit of, pull a little bit of bark off, obviously be, be careful not to harm the tree. Um, those are all elements you can use for those three types of focuses. Again, healing, um, abundance and, and, and love. But again, the focus with love really is around healing of love, healing of love, working on self-love, uh, kind of that shadow side of love. Outstanding. I love that. Thank you for that. I especially like the idea of being able to use part of it as an outdoor offering because that's that's a common a common question. What what is a what kind of offering is okay to leave outside? And generally speaking, apples are fine. Yeah, you know, um, apples yeah. are good because they don't harm. Uh, they don't harm other animals. Uh, I know people often will say, and I, and I'll bring this up just to speak to it. So the seeds in large, large quantities can be dangerous because they do contain small trace amounts of cyanide. Um, so you wouldn't want to leave like a bowl of seeds out there, but like an apple, you know, a piece of apple, a cut of the apple is totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Well, all right, friends, well, you got at least one thing that's informative and educational out of this podcast. And <laughs> I know it's like, I actually, I, I, I was think- like, I think I fe- that if you take your pants off around me and I'm able to grab them, I will not give them back is an important life lesson for all of our listeners. Anyway, um, on that note, this informative podcast, if you would like to support oh it, God. as believe it or not, some people are kind um, or feel sorry for us enough to actually support us on Patreon. And for them, we give immense amount of thanks. And um, we are really excited because this is the week that Patreon supporters are picking the final guest of the year. So um, inviting everybody to please uh, become a Patreon supporter. We're going to leave the poll up for just a couple more days. We have put on this poll everybody who um, came on our show, all of our guests from 2020. And we want to hear from our Patreon supporters. Who do you want to have come back? Uh, We're going to, depending on this person's availability, the person who um, got the most, um, the most support from our um, community will get to join a a zoom call where they'll get to uh, talk with this person live. And we will be releasing that as our final episode of the year. And so join us at any level in order to do that. Um, Guests who join us at $5 or above per month can join our witch squad, which gives you access to our private Facebook page, as well as access to our special quarterly events. We are brainstorming some fabulous offerings to um, provide in 2021. And um, again, other ways you can support the show 
if you can't do a monthly donation, totally understandable. Uh, you can buy us a coffee or buy that Witch Life merchandise on Etsy. Keep your eyes out. Kanani is about to roll out some really fabulous stuff for the holidays. So also consider becoming an episode sponsor. A great way to promote your business to thousands of witches or purchase a shout out. Let everybody know about your virtual event or send love to your favorite witch. We are all about birthday greetings and that kind of thing. Find out more on our website at thatwitchlife.com. And um, for the month of November, 10% of all of our proceeds are going to our friends at the Enchanted Forest, which is a family-run amusement park, a real cornerstone of Oregon culture. It's all storybook-themed, very magical place, and they're under a lot of pressure right now now they weren't able to open at full capacity due to COVID and then also to some very devastating losses to their family um, during the fires at the end of the summer. So um, if you can help us out, we can help them out. And that would be um, a, a wonderful thing that we can all do together. So that being said, are we ready for a word from our sponsors? Indeed. Sure. Since this pandemic began, we've received a ton of requests from listeners wanting witchcraft training that they can do from home. Therefore, we are delighted to have Sacred Mists Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences as an episode sponsor. Since 2002, Sacred Mists Academy has offered comprehensive online magical training programs with working witches around the world, including first through third degree Wicca training with an elder program available for initiates of the Sacred Mist tradition. Other programs include historical paganism, herbalist certifications, spell crafting classes, tarot courses, Reiki training, and more. I, Courtney, am proud to offer a spell crafting and spell casting certification through Sacred Mists, so if you join, you can take my class and really get your spell casting skills in shape. All courses have their own private groups where students can gather and connect with other students. Students also have access to the Sacred Mist Circle, a completely private, student-only social media platform, not Facebook, with profile pages, discussion boards, groups, blogs, a searchable book of shadows, videos, music, and more. Other Sacred Mist Academy social groups include witchcrafting, if you're interested in creating your own tools, a divination group to discuss decks and share readings, empath groups to explore the skills and learn about shielding, healing, kitchen witchcraft, and more. Join the Sacred Mist live chats for rituals, sabbats, espits, and healing, live divination rituals, study halls, and social gatherings for and by students. To enroll, go to sacredmistsacademy.com and enter Witch Life during registration to receive free enrollment, a savings of $30. Monthly tuition then depends on which course or courses you take. Limit one per student, available until December 31st, 2020. Manifest the change you want to see in yourself and the world around you through Sacred Mists Academy. The Sacred Mists Academy is a tremendous learning resource, but guess what? Sacred Mists also has a shop, offering over a thousand witchcraft tools, supplies, and gifts, including crystals and gemstones, incense and candles, hand-rolled beeswax spell candles, and other spell supplies. This is literally a one-stop shop for witchcraft supplies. Sacred Mist Shop also offers over 75 plant seeds specifically curated for the witch's garden, including healing and magical herbs, flowers, and plant seeds, just a few of which include belladonna, mandrake, sweetgrass, moonflower, patchouli, elderberry, and mugwort, and so many more. 
Their divination tools include tarot and oracle decks and a gorgeous natural polished black obsidian scrying mirror with ornate antiqued brass stand available in two sizes. Sacred Mist Shop offers everything you need to set up your magical space, including wands, athames, hand-carved gemstones, runes, and wooden rune sets, god and goddess statuary, and more. They have everything a new witch could want and a bunch of other fun stuff and amazing things you didn't even know you needed until you're shopping there. The goddess statues are amazing and add so much energy to any altar. I love the bonsai wishing trees and had to have them. They're beautiful and a reminder of the energy I want to have around me. Plus, Sacred Mist Shop offers a wide variety of jewelry and books. Purchases at Sacred Mist Shop help support the education and training programs offered at Sacred Mist Academy. To get 10% off your purchase of 35 or more, go to sacredmist.com and use code WITCHLIFE at checkout. Offer available until December 31st, 2020. Sacred Mist Shop, offering unique and handcraft witchcraft and Wicca supplies to the pagan community since 2002. Thank you to Sacred Mist Shop and Sacred Mist Academy for being an episode sponsor. Well, we are delighted to bring someone on who actually has their shit together because clearly today we don't. And we are pleased to introduce Sarah Walker, Master of Education, who is the founder of the Sisters Enchanted. Since 2016, she has helped thousands of women lean into their intuition, conjure joy, and make everyday magic. Sarah believes that a little bit of enchantment, wonder, and mysticism goes a long way in creating a life that feels fun, purposeful, and spacious. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And listening to you say that about me makes me feel way fancier than I actually am. <laughs> well, we're also the kind of type that make ourselves look fancier than we actually are. So you are all in the time. company. You're in good company. <laughs> I am still in pajamas, so we're all good. Me too, good actually. I it actually was, dressed today. I went. It was very. It was cold today, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep these sweatpants on. Uh, I'm over on the East Coast, so I'm three hours ahead of you, and it was a beautiful 70 degrees, which is not normal for us in November. No, that's crazy. Cooler. Yeah, so it's been good today. So, well, um, as a listener of the show, you know that the first question that we ask everybody um, is, how did you know you were a witch or a magical person? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where you, uh, for me anyway, I just knew I was always different. And as a kid, I felt like I knew things other people didn't know. I could perceive emotions and adults that other people couldn't perceive. And nobody in my world was like, I'm a witch or I'm a pagan or anything like that. My family is actually very Christian and traditional. And I just, as I grew older and pop culture and movies like the craft and everything came into being and practical magic, I I was like, oh my gosh, there is something here. And I love to tell the story. When I was 15, I was in the school, the high school band. I was a band person (laughs) and we were in Florida and Disney world for a band performance. And I went into the Disney villain store because while all the other little girls wanted to be princesses, I was like, who are these villains? They're so awesome. Yeah. Right. Like (laughs) where's Ursula and, and all of them. So I went to the villain. Yeah. So I went to the villain store and they had a tarot deck and I was 
I don't know, I was 14 or 15 and I used my spending money for Disney world and bought a tarot deck. And I came home and everyone thought I was so weird. Anybody that I told was like, what is wrong with you? That's dangerous and evil. And I started uh, using my lunch money to buy Wicca books at a used bookstore in town. And then, you know, over time it just developed and changed into what my witchery is today. Um, but yeah, I totally just always knew I was different and, and yeah, everything just fell into place over the years. I'm, I've got to stop you for just a second because there is a tarot deck with Disney villains in it. <laughs> I, my mind no. is blown and I'm so excited right now. Kanani, a little. Kanani is like already on the internet. Kanani out. is yeah. about to get fired because she should have been on this shit like 10 years ago. What, yeah. How did yeah, you miss this? I have to back you all up. It was not actually a villain's deck. It was just sold in the villain's store. Okay. Because obviously, right? No. I was just like, wait a second. I obviously got everybody way hyped. Although I do have, I got to tell you, and I will have to find the details and email them to you all because one of my friends is writing a tarot deck and she caught wind that somebody does have the rights to make a villain's deck because she inquired about it and couldn't because somebody already had the rights to do it. I need this. We have to so. find this person and I we have to this. marry them. I will drop Courtney like it's hot and they will be my new best friend. I just <laughs> <don't know who laughs> yeah. To the tarot artist out there, come forward into the light. We promise we won't tell anyone. <laughs> we just want to help. We just want to help. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, um, speaking of magical enterprises, such as a Disney villain tarot deck, we will find you whoever has the right. <laughs> Um, you run a whole magical enterprise, which includes um, a school and a blog, and you have your own podcast. Um, so tell us more about the Sisters Enchanted. Yeah, the Sisters Enchanted. It uh, came sort of out of the left field as a as what it is now in 2016. Um, Previous to the Sisters Enchanted as it is, I owned an educational consulting business doing advocacy for kids who learn differently or who were out of school for different reasons and trying to get back into public school. And I was so entirely burnt out. And my sister, my real life sister and I were like, oh, if only we could do something fun that we love to do. And we both were witches. We called ourselves weekend witches because we wouldn't, it just, it wasn't, it was our thing that we did. You know, it wasn't something that we didn't meet with local people or anything like that. It was just, we were the only two we knew really in real life besides going to fairs and other friends and things we'd met that way, but it was mostly just us. And we got the idea. We're like, oh, the sister's enchanted. It just came to us randomly uh, through discussion. Actually, my sister came up with the name and I bought the web domain and we just started talking to people on the internet and it kind of snowballed into what it is now. And yeah, we teach classes. Uh, we've had tens of thousands of people come through our online community and we absolutely, we love it. We love getting information out to people. We love the sense of community and that there are more people every day going out into the world with with witchery in their pocket to change their own lives. You know, it's so cool to know that that's happening um, because we decided on a whim to start the sisters enchanted. And I love that. And that was one of the things that, you know, we discussed when we first came in, I mean, among 
among the three of us, when we say women, we mean everybody who identifies as a woman, whether they were assigned female at birth or not. And so it's one of the mm-hmm. things that, you know, we were checking in with, with you about as well. It's like, you know, this is, because as you said, this is also a place that is, is welcoming to women who um, are trans or were not necessarily assigned female at birth, that this is a place for all women. Yes, for sure. And uh, it became so clear to us the need to make that clear when folks in our community would reach out and say, hey, I am this identifying person. Can I be at home here? Is this a safe place for me? And we realized we needed to be more clear about this. I think that, uh, you know, sometimes I see this in particular where I live here in Connecticut. I live in a very liberal area and there's so much that we take for granted just from our personal lives of what other people understand to be safe and okay, that I realized going on the internet, there's a whole world of people who don't live in that kind of world, you know? And, uh, it was really, the sisters enchanted has helped us to see the importance of, uh, creating that space and speaking to it because it's, there are so many places in the world that are not like my little liberal town in Connecticut. So yeah, I also, and I love that because I also know there are still spaces within magical communities that aren't accepting in that way and they should be. And I think for, for people who may have not had the experience of, of mixed, of mixed circles, maybe they live in an area where the, you know, there's, there's just, you know, there's, there's not a large community of trans or non-binary people. Um, For me, and I think for a lot of, of, of other women is that a women's circle for me is no longer complete if there is not um, a trans or non-binary presence. It's, it, there's, there's a huge part of the experience of being a woman and what that means that is, is lost if we don't have that presence. And so, so to me, a women's circle that's only cis women, you know, it feels, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel whole. It doesn't feel full. There's a whole other experience of womanhood out there that is not present in that space. And so I, I'm really thankful to hear that there's more spaces like your sisters enchanted who are giving you know, giving support to these, these fully realized women's spaces that, that, that thrive and flourish when, when all, when all women from all backgrounds of experiences are, you know, are are remembered and included. So yes. Yay. Good to know the resources and communities are out there. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so important to, to listen, you know, like I am, I'm a, a, a cis white woman. There's so much that I don't have I'm that I don't know firsthand as my personal lived experience. And it's, you know, my job to create that floor for those, for anybody who's not me, who doesn't look like me to to tell me, you know, educate me um, or me to seek that education rather, but provide, provide the space for them rather than speaking for those people or just anybody, anybody of color, anybody of different culture, religion, faith, belief, anybody, you know, just create that space for those people to coexist and amplify everything. And they and amplify everything that we're doing because it is so much more amplified when it's not just white women sitting around a circle. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's actually sounds like white, <laughs> a group of cis white ladies singing in a circle sounds like my idea of a living hell, but fun afternoon. <laughs> I'm like, oh, goody. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go find something else to do. Um, and for those who yeah. may not be familiar with the term, cause a lot of uh, people are not, when you say someone is a cis woman or a cis man, it means that they are, they identify as the gender that they were assigned at birth. So I was, when, when I was born, the doctor told my parents, I I was a girl and they were like, okay, this, this kid has a vagina. This is a girl. And as I grew up, yeah, that's the gender that I identify with, but not everybody. So that's where I you know, say I'm a cis woman. That's, you know, I yeah. identify with the gender that I was assigned at birth. Um, but someone who is, you know, is, is not cis has had a different experience. So yeah, that's just wanted to make sure that everybody is included in the, the explanation of the vocabulary. Yeah. Um, it drives me crazy too. these communities that are, that, would exclude anybody else. Because I think when you, when you claim the word witch or witchcraft or witchery or whatever, you know, witches in our world and society, they are the other people. They are marginalized people. So as witches, you know, we choose that word. We choose to be, you know, the the parents at the playground that the other parents look at sideways. Like we're choosing that. Um, and I think it makes no sense to me when other people choose to exclude others. Yeah. And, you know, you're claiming the title of the excluded. You anyway. have nothing to lose <laughs> by being inclusive and you have everything to gain. You, you, a hundred thousand million percent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's really, so remember that friends, you're, you're not, you're, you do not lose when you're inclusive and you absolutely, you, you, there's a lot to be gained. Um, mm-hmm. so, but, um, one of the things that, um, we had been talking about amongst ourselves is what is helpful within, um, in, in building a strong magical practice is the practice of gratitude. And when you, we all started discussing having you come on the show, you know, you, you had mentioned that was something that was um, a resonant topic for you. Um, and so, you know, a gratitude practice is very helpful in making effective magic. But Sarah, how would you describe what a gratitude practice is? I think that a gratitude practice is a practice in, you know, one gratitude, obviously (laughs) being grateful. Um, but even on a, a deeper sort of level, I think it helps you to really be present in yourself, check in on your intentions and your energy and all that you're putting out there. Uh, because when we're practicing gratitude, as a practice and and not just saying, Oh, I'm grateful for the sunshine and I'm grateful for my house and those things that, you know, we are grateful for, and we should obviously say practice gratitude for, um, but really gratitude for the things we can't see, the things that haven't come yet, uh, the people who've come before us. And it helps you to, I think, stop and see that the energy you're putting out there, the, the spells that you're doing, those intentions, those tarot card pulls, whatever it is, that you are creating that path that you want to be creating. Uh, and I think a gratitude practice really can help you to do that. And that, a gratitude practice can look like a million different things. I think that cultivating one, though, is so, so helpful uh, in anything that you do in witchcraft. So how, how is a gratitude practice helpful for, um, for a witch? I, so in terms of... For example, when we look at the intentions that we set or, you know, the wishes or the the dreams that we put into being when we we cast a spell or light a candle or whatever that may be, we do it and then life happens. 
right? We move on to work the next day or like if you have children or an elderly parent you care for and they need something from you or a neighbor or whoever, a partner, someone needs something. Suddenly it's like our energy shifts greatly from that thing that we set into being to something else entirely. And having a gratitude practice that you work into your daily life and you sit down and check in, I think that it allows you to see if one, the intentions that you're setting through spell work or through working with the moon or, or journaling or whatever it is that you're doing, uh, it helps you to see that those are really in alignment with what it is that you're putting into your life and that and what you're considering. So for me, this might look like before I go to bed at night, sometimes depending on how the day is, you know, it's first thing in the morning, uh, but I'll sit down and I'll, I'll check in with three things in terms of gratitude. So I'll look at something of this earthly plane, all while considering whatever it is that I am trying to craft into being, or sometimes I'm just trying to craft, you know, peace and happiness for myself or something like that, or if it's more specific. And I'll look at something from the, this earthly plane, what I, what I'm grateful for. It could be, you know, a meal that I had that I wasn't expecting to have, or I got takeout when I wasn't expecting to, or it could be that, you know, someone surprised me and cleaned something in my house or, or something like that. So very like just earthly things. And then I look at uh, what I'm grateful for around myself. So more self love, uh, inner things. So maybe it could be something that I, I challenged myself on or something that I took action steps and did, or maybe I just decided to rest instead of pushing forward. And I'm grateful for that. And then I'll look at, um, something not tangible, a higher thing, maybe a piece of advice that I received or, uh, a message that I heard, or I saw somewhere that I wasn't expecting or, um, you know, motions that were set into place by forces seemingly outside of myself that are helping me to get to where I want to go. And I find that that gratitude practice, it's helping me to be grateful for what is here, what's within me, what's beyond me. And I can see, you know, that I'm focusing my energy on where I want to go and what it is I'm trying to create through all my other practices by stepping, stepping back, taking the time to do a gratitude to perform a gratitude practice or just be in that gratitude practice. I feel like there's layers that come with understanding the, the relationship of gratitude with effective magic. And so often magic is about what do you want and how do you get it? And (laughs) seriously, and that's seriously, that's the way magic has always been. It's not a criticism of it, but that's a huge, that's a huge part of it. What do you want and how are you going to get it? And yeah, there's two parts there. For me, I, I recognize the gratitude practice and I think about um, a, a witch that I was, um, that I'm still friends with her to this day. And um, she, she was in the first coven that I was part of and she just loved clothes. And I noticed that everybody was always giving her clothes. And she was the envy of a lot of the other young coveners that were like, why is everyone always giving her dresses? Everybody, every time we turn around, someone's giving her a dress. And then one day I gave her a dress <laughs> and when I gave it to her, she jumped up and down. She did a full Maria from Sound of Music twirl. Then she raced upstairs, put it on, adorned herself with all of her favorite jewelry, came down and did a fashion show for me. And I was like, I get it now. 
everybody wants to give you clothes because you they make you show so much immense gratitude and joy when people give them to you. I think I'm going to give you all of my clothes because look at what you've done. Like it just, it just, yeah. and that stayed with me. It's like the sense of you, the, 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 the idea of the universe is conspiring to shower you with blessings. It starts when you, you know, when you are gracious, but I think that the, the trick then is not like I show my gratitude. So I get more stuff. Right. I think it's more about, because then that's just like, that's, that's not really, that's not really getting, but I think when you're, when we can take a moment to really appreciate what we have, then we don't really, for many of us anyway, there's a sense of asking ourselves, it realigns us with what we truly need, what we truly desire. And then, and then gives us a sense of appreciation for what is already in our space and in our life. Yes. And I, I love what you said about what we truly need, because one of the things I think that, you know, when we hear about a gratitude practice, it's kind of like hearing about journaling or meditating and you're like, Oh, it's another thing I need to do in order to like attract things in. And I think that with a gratitude practice, when we, this is that idea of aligning with your intentions, because if you're practicing gratitude for something on some surface level to just like get yourself through a day or get yourself through something that's really not in your best interest or not really what you desire, but you're like trying to make, you know, a square peg round hole situation, make that fit. I think that through that gratitude practice, you start to see that because you won't, you know, you won't see that, that development if it's not what you truly want. And you'll find yourself finding gratitude for the things that you do want and you want more of. Uh, over time, which is why so much of this is a practice, right? Yes. Practice at it. Yeah, absolutely. What, but how, how do we practice gratitude or maybe you'd be willing to share how you practice gratitude? Mm -hmm. So one thing that I do, this is exactly what I do. uh, And I would say I do it most days. I am a parent. I've got two young kids. So I actually just, you know, we, I try to incorporate it into our daily life. So it's not something that gets uh, pushed to the side, but we have three candles in our main living space. And, uh, and I go through the act myself of lighting one candle. And just, as I mentioned before, I'll try to, to, I will say what I'm grateful for on this, you know, earthly plane stuff within the last day, or if I'm doing it in the evening, something that's happened today. Uh, and then I'll light the second candle and I think about myself, what I'm grateful for in terms of, of self and what I've done, uh, an act of courage or, you know, just stepping back and napping sometimes is definitely <laughs> worthy of gratitude. And then uh, the third thing, I'll light a third candle. And I look at, again, that sort of outer stuff, um, you know, the sign that I was given to, to do something. So I took action or advice somebody gave me, or if I stumbled upon, if I happened to stumble upon this amazing article, which helped me change my perspective on something entirely, um, you know, I'll practice gratitude for that. And then I do invite my family to do it as well so that we're all sort of doing it together. But I, I do take it one step further and I look at whatever my intention is and my goal. So I work with an intention and then a uh, tangible goal at the same time. And I look, I check in with that. It's just very quick, but I check in to see, you know, are the things that I'm grateful for and the things I'm receiving in and I'm experiencing, 
are these showing me that this is all in alignment and that I'm still moving the direction that I want to be moving in, whatever it is that I'm trying to make happen, you know, what am I going to make happen and how am I going to make it happen? That idea. Um, and in, am I moving in that direction or am I noticing through my gratitude that I'm getting more of what I've set the intention for? And I'm actually miserable because sometimes that can happen too. It's you're like, Oh my gosh, that's not exactly what I wanted. Or that's actually not at all what I wanted. Uh, and you notice that through your gratitude practice. And it's what I tell people. I say magic works and that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yep, pretty exactly. much. Oh my gosh. That was a, when I had my second son, I, I was like, Oh, I wish my, my husband could be home to help me more. And then, uh, he quit his job and oh. he's been home ever since. I was like, no, that's not, that's not what I actually wanted. Kanani's <laughs> making a note. Never do this spell ever. <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, he's great. He's, he's home, but he's like, you know, I don't know. It takes a certain kind of person to be home all day with little kids. <laughs> so anyway, that was definitely for me. I was like, no, magic well, backfire. <laughs> well, and, and, and along that lines, the Greeks actually have a story. We, we People sometimes talk about the Midas touch and that everything you touch turns to gold. What I don't think people realize is that's not a good story because King Midas, <laughs> yeah, King Midas, I, I don't remember the, what happened with his, whether he had asked a god or a goddess to help him and said, I want everything I touch to turn to gold or, and they said, great. And so literally everything he touched turned to gold, including like if he put his hand on the table, there'd be a gold handprint. Um, but the problem was is that he couldn't eat anymore. He would touch a piece of fruit and it would turn to gold mm. and it really... It became like a curse. It became a curse. And he, and at one point, the, the saddest part of the story was he was sitting there weeping because he couldn't eat and he couldn't drink and he was, he was starving. And his daughter came to comfort him and he held her and she turned to gold. So his beloved daughter was now a golden statue. And so he lost her as well. And so he's begging the gods to remove the curse because what he had wanted had was destroying everything that he that he had and that's mm -hmm. that's a a very extreme version of, but so that's where I, I always wince when someone says well they've got the Midas touch I'm like ooh, they can keep it you're like yeah you don't want that you don't want that <laughs> yeah. Get it back. no exactly <laughs> I love mythology because there's like it's just riddled with those stories you know of people getting what they wanted and then sort of being punished for it yeah yeah. And that's, it's, it's <laughs> because I think that that comes into it just like, maybe did you really feel when you, when you were really in alignment with, with your gratitude and your intention, what was it that Midas truly wanted? Was it more gold or was it more, was it to make sure that the comfort was present and maybe he already had that you No, know, So, yeah. um, so one of the biggest challenges of any sort of witchcraft um, practice, including a gratitude practice is sticking with it. So how do you, how do you recommend witches stay with their gratitude practice and not let it fall off after, you know, a couple of weeks or something? Oh, that's such a good question because I think that is, I think that's a, a problem just across the board for people, right? You get an idea. It's amazing for 24 hours and then it's just with all the other ideas in a bucket somewhere or a closet. Um, for me, it's really, really important to have everything that I want to keep consistent with in one place, right where I can see it. Uh, and so the candles, for example, that I work with, they are right in our main living area. So there is no way that I can't not 
see them. Uh, and does that mean that I do it every day? No, of course, some days things happen. I fall asleep, whatever a hard day, but I know that I missed it and I see it and I can do it again. I can do it in the morning because they're right there in front of me. I'm a really big fan of, uh, either little small altar spaces on like a kitchen counter or a desk at work. If you work from a desk or something you can keep in your packet or right there in your console in your car so that you see it all the time. So whatever you're doing or a person chooses to do for a gratitude practice, having something so it's, you have to see it, you know, as many times a day as possible, I think is really helpful. And then also this isn't very witchy, I guess, but the, the magic that is modern day technology, putting the reminder on your phone to do it, you know, and, and work with it. I do this even with a uh, lunar phases and things, cause it can be so easy in our modern world to just get sidetracked by a hundred different things. So having the notifications to remind you to do it, I think can be helpful as you're setting the practice into place, because once you've been doing it for a few weeks, it starts to become part of what you do and part of your routine. Uh, but getting there can be challenging and just making it easy too. another thing that I do. I have a Rose Hydrazol face facial spray. It's just like a spray, I guess. It's not for your face. It's just for anything. And it's right there in my bathroom. And that's part of my routine. When I get up in the morning is I spray myself with this Rose Hydrazol. And I tell myself every morning that I am, I'm brave. I'm courageous. I'm loved. I love myself. I love other people, you know, and now I've been doing it for so long that it's just, I just think it the minute I pick up the bottle, you know? Uh, so I think that really forcing yourself to make it a habit in the beginning is important and doing things so that you can't miss it. And you know, it's there waiting for you. I think that that's something that, you know, we all understand the fundamentals, but it's hard. It's, it's hard to do the fundamentals sometimes. It's, it's hard to, you know, if you say, I'm going to spend 30 minutes every day, you know, sitting in a journal and writing down the things that I'm grateful for, you know, it, it doesn't sound that hard, but that's, that's a tall ask. So, you know, maybe instead just tell yourself, you know, I'm going to think about one thing every day that I'm grateful for and, and, and try and work on that or, to kind of like, like we've said, take baby steps, do little simple things that are fairly easy to incorporate into your life. Because if you do it that way, then it's something that's much more likely to one, be effective and two, be something that you can kind of turn into a typical part of your routine, which will make it more impactful and something that you can stick with and, and become much more successful with. Because I think sometimes people just, they take on a lot because it feels really, you know, it doesn't feel like that big of a deal, but gratitude practice and it's such an important part of magic and and of life, of, of the kind of energy that you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with really, you know, grateful energy, kind of like what Courtney said, things, things will kind of happen for you. Things will come because that's just kind of part of it. When you're very grateful, the universe likes to provide. It likes to help you. It likes to give you the things that you need when you need them. If you are not grateful, then it's not as much fun. You know, you're not really going to be attracting those things and the things that you need when you need them may not necessarily manifest themselves. 
and your magic to try and manifest those things probably is not going to be as effective. So to work on gratitude practice and, and do it in a very simple and, you know, small steps way where you can maybe do one very simple thing every day as you start to incorporate it into a bigger part of your practice, I, I think is the most important part because I think that it's important. It's a huge part of the energy that you create around yourself and you don't want to kind of take such a big leap into adding it to your practice that you do it for a week and then you forget about it and now you don't do it anymore. I also, I try to remind people that when you're trying to integrate something into your practice to remember this, it takes 21 days to, to make a habit and 90 days for it to stick. So when you're trying something new, you got just tough it out. It will, it will, those, those things will become part of your ritual. And I also think that as you see, because when you're forming this habit, and in this case, this habit is a really positive thing. You're like, you're making this, you're integrating this into your practice. When you take the time as you're going through that time period, those 21 days, those 90 days to getting towards, you know, kind of this just being your part of your daily MO, you'll start to see, notice what changes. The thing that gratitude for me really helps with is that when my mind is in gratitude mode and I'm looking at all the things that I should be grateful for, I notice things that most of the time or that otherwise my jaded ass wouldn't notice. It would be like, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, like, ugh, I wanted more. It's like the, it's like a scenario where you're like, I want to bring in more money. And like, you're like, well, cash didn't appear in my wallet. So I, it didn't work. And you're like, but, but look, maybe you got made a new connection. Maybe, um, you know, you're in line for a, a raise. I don't know. Those moments of gratitude allow us to see the small changes that go towards the big change and remind us that the magic we do works and we owe gratitude to the, 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 pow the powers and the, the spirits that we are harnessing in order to do that magic. And I think there's, there's, there's a couple of things I want to make sure I unpack a little further that, that come from what I said earlier. And when I was saying, you know, when you're, when you're grateful, the universe wants to send you more. I want to make it very clear that I do not think by any means that if you're, you're in poverty at the moment or, you know, or if, if you have ill health or these other extenuating circumstances, that those circumstances are not because you're not grateful enough. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. And, and alternatively, it, is, no, <laughs> no. And alternatively, I also don't want it to sound like that if you are in circumstances where you are, you, you don't have the money you need to live a comfortable life, or you don't have the love and support around you that you need to thrive, that you should just be grateful for what you have and don't ask for more. That's, that's not what gratitude practice is about. The idea of gratitude practice is not about be happy with what little you have, even though that you are worth, you are worthy of a better life than what society has given you. It's not to subdue you into being content when you are you are dealing with an unjust or an unjust situation, and it's not about like um, trying to just get you more stuff. You know, it's it's deeper than that, but it's it's kind of hard to really articulate it until you've done it for a while. I was going to say, I'm so glad that you brought that up because one of the um, most common questions that we get and our different offerings at the Sisters Enchanted is around 
gratitude, shadow work, and uh, the idea of the law of attraction. And when things happen to us that are, you know, horrible or in these horrible circumstances, and this idea that like, oh, release and forgive and love and light, and, you know, we attract things or whatever. And that is one of the the topics that comes up weekly within our communities. And uh, so I'm so glad you, you stopped to say that because it's, you know, all that is so true. It's kind of like, trying to change some of the habits that, that I, and some of my own shadow work is that, you know, I play the clown a lot, which works in a podcast where we make people laugh, but it's a problem when it's that the, you know, the clown is someone who can make the room laugh and also the person that they throw tomatoes at. So part of my life is I've dealt with people, um, people insulting me because it's, it makes them feel better because I've, I've put that target on myself that, you know, throw the tomatoes at her and it makes, it makes them laugh. It doesn't do me right. But when I'm actually feeling gratitude just for being alive and I realize my life is worth more than being somebody else's rubber chicken, you mm-hmm. know, I can, I want to make people laugh on my own terms because I enjoy that, but I, I'm not going to step into the role of being, being bullied, um, because I feel, because other people need, you know, feel that they need that. That's not going to be my role. You know, right. and it's very different than saying, well, I'm just grateful that, you know, I'm okay. So people are being rude to, okay. So my, I'm getting, you know, um, I'm being picked on at the family gathering and it's hurtful to me, but at least I'm grateful. I have a no, family. Yeah. That's right. not, yeah. That is a yeah. super, that is a super, super toxic mentality. Um, yeah. because again, it's like, it is equally, in my opinion, it is equally important to feel what you feel, right? Like it's equally important to honor the struggle that you go through and, and what that's like for you as it is to find gratitude in your life. I mean, one yeah. does not take away from the other. I think that's where gratitude can take you. Like I'm, grat- I'm grateful that I breathe every morning. I'm grateful that I get up every morning. And I have friends in my life who would be my age who, who are no longer here. Yeah. And so what, what, with this gratitude I have for this life that I lead, I am... I'm, like I said, I'm worth more than that. And that's, I feel like that's where gratitude takes us. Yeah. And I think too, like for me, I mean, part of the, it it was interesting that you said the, you know, the, this identity as the clown or the person that makes people laugh and and how that can, you know, like for me, it's like part of my shadow work is, um, is, you know, really recognizing that like that the I don't have to hold myself to the standards that other people have created. Hey, Kanani and Hillary, remember when I suggested this be a topic for an episode and said it'll be nice and light and fun, which will be really great to have after the election? Remember when I said that? Yeah, you lie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't mean to lie. I'm not a yeah. person. I, I don't, but I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything heavy about, about what we're saying, because I think what the, 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 the basics of what we're saying is it's, it's important to be grateful. It's important to be grateful for what we have and, and for, you know, the good things that we have and things like that. That's wonderful. But being grateful doesn't mean that you have to, it it doesn't mean that you have to be stagnant and it doesn't mean that you can't be ambitious and want more. If you live in poverty, you don't have to just be happy to be alive. That's not how this works. You know, you be grateful for what you have and then you, you, you know, you have the right to not, you know, struggle. 
So it, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you just have to be mm-hmm. grateful to exist. You can be grateful for what yeah. you have and still yearn for more. The, the toxic part of it is if you, you know, if you feel like all of these things that you need to have, need to have, need to have, I just can't be complete until I have these things, have these things. And so then you will either one, sadly, you know, live probably lesser of a life because you're not grateful for the now and living in the now because you're so off in the future. Or ironically, what happens to a lot of sometimes very famous people, they achieve their goals and yet they are completely unfulfilled. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the counterbalance mm-hmm. is, is you can live in both worlds. You can be grateful, but still have goals, still have ambitions, still want better, still want different, still want more. But the key is to have that self-understanding of, you know, making sure that you are in tune with yourself and you're satisfied with who you are, not necessarily what you have, who you are. And so that the things that you're reaching for are things that will better you, things that will help you, things that will bring into your life instead of just, you know, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. Because people find out, um, you know, once sometimes they achieve massive success, massive amounts of money, you know, that this is not satisfying. Yeah, and it's like we are certainly not endorsing those like toxic positivity right. dickheads that are like, you know, that are like, oh, oh, you've had, you're like, oh, but this thing was hard. And they're like, oh, but you know what? All you have to do is think about how great your life is. It's like, okay, but like that is not, it's like, fuck you. Like, it's okay. I mean, it's okay to feel, it's also okay to be grateful. It's also okay to be positive. It's also okay to feel down. Like feelings are neutral. They're not good or bad. Yeah. And I think also, once you're doing your gratitude practice, you realize what you're not grateful for. Like I said, the people in your mm-hmm. life that are not making you feel good. It's like, I'm finding I'm not grateful for them or that it's a struggle to be grateful. Why is that? Because they make me feel like shit. Do they belong here? I'm not sure, you know? But I feel like I'm really grateful for this other person. Why? Because they make me feel good. Maybe I should can create more space to have them have a bigger role in my life as opposed yes. to this other person who doesn't. So there's... Oh, so much unpacking, so and we only have. I know, an it's hour like we could talk about, about this forever. Well, this is what, like, when I made the joke so, about my husband uh, quitting his job, and this is a great example of that because at the time, you know, I was like, oh, I'd be so grateful if he could just be home. And through my gratitude practice, I realized really what I would just be grateful for was a specific kind of support, you know, like some like like very specific yes. kind. But it wasn't. It was through my, and I would never say I'm not grateful that my husband's around, like, right. Like, of course I'm grateful he's around. Um, but I realized through that gratitude practice that wait, there's a very specific piece of this I'm grateful for. And that's what I need to figure out how to get more of (laughs) that specific piece, you know, maybe not the whole, the whole picture. Yeah. So, um, switching gears here, we do have a listener question, um, more of a practical nature, has anyone ever used honey powder or granules in spells? I love using this type of honey in my daily life because it's not as messy as liquid honey. I thought about using it in a sweetening spell. Just wondering what others thought. Um, Sarah, what do you think? So I love to tell people that 
you know, you can, you can attract in abundance with the fanciest pyrite or citrine or green jade in the world, or with an acorn from your backyard. You know, I think that really, if you have what you have, uh, and you're able to work your magic with what you have, use it. Um, and I think that, the, you know, granules in a sweetening spell, I would totally use that. Uh, I think that honey very specifically to me, if I'm trying like that sticky factor, if I want that sticky factor, I think just in my mind, I would love the the stickiness of like a, a runny honey. Um, but for sweetening, I would totally go with granules. I think that anytime you're using you're using something that has been changed from its original form, whether that is in this case a hunting granule or a dried herb instead of a fresh one. Um, before you put it in the spell, just take a beat and remind the object of what it is. So for honey, a granule will say, hey, you are honey. You are sweet and you are sticky and you attract you attract things to it that are like you, you, you know, you things that you stick to good things like bread and butter and that kind of stuff. So just take a moment and remind it of its, of its natural function. And the same thing, like I do that with dried herbs as well as I massage them in my palm and be like, hey, basil, remember you? Yeah, yeah, you're really good at marinara sauce and you're good with money. And just wake them up a bit. I think that's the only thing that I would say about using um, granules. But otherwise, I absolutely applaud the inventiveness. And yes, honey is very messy in spells. Witchcraft can get messy and kind of gross. Yeah. When, when I read that question, I was like, ooh, that's a good idea because I hate sticky things. Like, I fucking hate them. I have friends who are witches who are vegan that use others, like not, not honey for as a sweetener. Uh, you know, maybe they use sugar, whatever. It's just, again, it's about making sure, and, and you should be doing this with anything, frankly, because like, you know, if you're pulling a, if you're pulling a weed from the guard, garden to use, or you're, I don't know, I mean, what, whatever you're using, it's always really important to put your, like to, to make sure that your intention is going into that when you, when you're using it, because the, the items, as I call tools themselves are not enough. They're not, I mean, they're just, they're just a leaf, right? But it's what you, it's the, it's the intention you put behind it that is, is, is part of the equation. So, um, well, Sarah, how can people find you? Um, we are on social media, the sisters enchanted, super easy to find. And our website, the sisters enchanted.com. The best, the best place to find us is, uh, you know, probably the website. And then, uh, we're pretty active on Instagram also. Great. Okay. And well, for the rest of you all, thank you so much for listening. Um, again, if you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Um, please also consider leaving us a rating and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is a huge help. Um, you can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store. For bonus content, become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, everybody, keep moting that shit and talk to you next week. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future podcast. So mode it be. Do you remember when your dad called Barry's work and convinced him that his car had been impounded by the police in investigation of some serious crime? Yes, that... (laughs) And Barry had parked in a different place that day. Barry had just happened to park in a different area. And Barry was totally convinced.
This is the days when, when we call them car phones at the time, when, um, you know, the, the, the grandfather of cell phones, but my dad had a car phone and he decided it was like 49 cents a minute. And he decided to use 49 cents a minute to prank call our friend Barry at the Lawlive Harden where he worked and tell him that his I mean, car I had been impounded. I think we can call it the Olive Garden, okay? I'm sure okay. there's been many berries that have worked at Olive Garden. The Olive Garden. I don't know. Yeah, I think the Olive Harden was very convincing as far as a, <laughs> I'm a trying to offer up. No one's going to pick up on this name. <laughs> oh, my God. This makes me want to call Barry and remind him of this. I actually remind him of it frequently.